Hello, 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 and welcome to week five of the 52-week film project. Um, I feel like that's become our, our classic opening thing. I was going to say, I was smiling throughout the whole of that because I think <laughs> I've used hello, hello, hello once, and you've definitely used it once before. I think it's, I think it's been used for the last three episodes, so okay. I think it's a thing now. Mate. It's now a thing, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll include it in like the intro music when we have it, so we'll be like, hello, 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 with a, like a disco beat behind it. Maybe on like our Instagram posts, we should be like, hello, 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 dot, dot, dot. Oh, Episode five is out. Marketing genius. That's perfect. <laughs> anyway, um, how are you doing, William? How's yeah, your Yeah, not been, too mate? bad. I've now moved back from university to home. That was a very big change. It was, it was quite scary, but I'm now back. It's very, you very fully, exciting. Have you fully unpacked yet? Um, you don't I, have a lot of shit, to be fair. Like no. I came back and I had, like, I've still got bags and bags in my room. I've got a couple of bags, like all the washing's now done, but I've still got a lot of books. Like my whole desk now is just full of the books that I still, like at my English degree, like all have just accumulated over the years. <laughs> like I have no space anywhere in my room. I don't know what to do with it really, because I don't really need most Burn of it at it. home. It's all heresy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. No, I'm kidding. I'm yeah. kidding. There's probably some good some books in there I should probably probably read yeah yeah become a bit more learned rather than just sitting here talking about I mean you say that spark spark notes are still my friends sorry dad Um, no yeah so this week we are reviewing uh, Ocean's 8 very exciting which was am I right in saying at least in the US it's been the highest opening of an Ocean's 8 of an Ocean's 8 film of an an Ocean's franchise film uh, I think you might be right. Yeah, yeah. I know that Ocean's Eleven was very popular, but I think it was popular like on repeat viewing. So okay. after a longer period of time, and on, this like, is this has been considering all the other things released around it. It's been quite a big opening. Yeah, yeah. And it's a, a female ensemble cast, whereas the previous were George Clooney, Brad Pitt. You're quite a big Ocean's fan, aren't you? So I, yes, I, one of the first ever PG. 12 PG-13 movies I watched um, as a kid was Ocean's 11, 12 and 13. We had the we had the VHS of Ocean's 11 and 12 and then we had the DVD of Ocean's 13 because I was a bit older. Um, and yeah, I loved them as a kid. I thought they were really, I didn't get half the things. As, as like a, I think it was, I, th- I think it was like six or seven. So I really didn't get half the humour and half the jokes. Are they that old? 2001, the first one is. Really? 2001, yeah. Oh, wow, I think the next it's one's, longer than I thought. Yeah, it's old. It's older than you think. And I think it's, I think it just is. I think because I've watched it, like, I definitely haven't watched, because there were there were three, weren't there? Ocean's 11, 12, and 13. Yes. And I think I've seen all of them. The only one I can genuinely remember anything from is the first one, Ocean's 11. And mm. that is, correct me if I'm wrong, that's the one where George Clooney assembles the team with, like, Casey Affleck, Matt Damon, Matt Damon, Matt Damon. Um, who else is in it? Um, um, you've got Brad Pitt. You've got um, is Eddie Murphy in it, or am I making Eddie it up? Murphy is not in it? No. Oh no, he's in that tower heist thing with um, uh, Ben Stiller. Have you seen that film? No. Oh mate, all right, complete U-turn. That is a heist film that we should be talking about this week. <laughs> no, instead of Ocean's Eight. Should we just skip so, it? Tower heist. Tower heist is like low key, um, like a, a family comedy film, kind of along the same kind of style as Night at the Museum, where Ben nice. Stiller plays Ben Stiller like he does in anything. Um, but this time round, he's the head of a hotel which has like the owner in a penthouse suite at the top of the hotel, and then that guy gets done for embezzlement. And apparently all the hotel staff, including Ben Stiller, find out that he's like fucked all of their pensions away. So they don't have um, any money. Yeah. And so Ben Stiller gets like Eddie Murphy, um, 
uh, I think Bill Bill Pullman's in it. Like I, I can't remember. It's like the, it's like the, basically, the crew. Yeah, yeah, and they they like rob the safe of the rich penthouse guy Ooh. while he's in prison. Oh, it's a really good film, man. You should no, watch that. Yeah, fair. Um, going on, going on this. There's um, Carl Reiner, who's a very very old comedian in it. Um, in, in Ocean's Twelve, Eddie Izzard is in Ocean's Twelve and Thirteen. Which oh, is really? Odd. Yeah, on, and that. Robbie Coltrane plays a Russian mob boss in. Um, on Ocean's 12 which is really interesting because he also plays a Russian mob boss in World Is Not Enough the James Bond film yeah yeah, yeah. it's like Robbie Coltrane loves playing a Russian mob boss um, yeah do you want to talk about the fact that this is a female remake um, of it at all well it's but see that's the thing like, it's not a remake is it because no because it's in the same universe yeah exactly as those previous films. it's a continuation so, so like, the, point, yes. the point I was trying to make when we started talking about Ocean's 11 is all I can really remember from it was George Clooney gets the gang together and it's like they do over three hotels run by Andy Garcia's character who's like a massive douchebag millionaire yep. who is dating George Clooney's ex-wife Tess, Tess Ocean played by Tess Julia Ocean, Roberts Julia yep. Roberts and I've, yeah it was really from what I remember really good but like very limited memory on it now this one is Sandra Bullock leading the team as Danny Ocean's sister, Debbie Ocean. Debbie Ocean. <laughs> why can't they just? What, what, it does. Why does it have to be the same name and there's like the same almost pronunciation of it? Yeah, can't I know. it be like Kathy? Not yeah. Kathy. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not a fan of alliteration between characters across. No. I, I, but then I say that, and I'm I'm sitting here thinking like Jake, quick, think of another example of that. So that you yeah, actually, I was. I was so that you actually sound gone. like you remotely care about this, <laughs> and you're not just making up an issue. Um, yeah, no, I, I, that's not a thing. Um, no, but she. Yeah. So this one, I mean, you can summarize. Right, we're not going to not not talk about the film in detail. This still will have spoilers, but like. It, you can talk about the plot and you can kind of break it down pretty quickly. Yeah. It's like Debbie Ocean, Sandra Bullock is, she's been in prison for five years after her art dealer boyfriend fucks her over with some scam. And then while she's been in prison, she's been planning this heist meticulously in her cell, uh, making sure everything's going to work. And in the moment she's out, she links up with all of her old girl pals from her like old kind of hustling days, yep. which includes... Kate Blanchett, Helena Bonham Carter, like the cast is wicked. Yeah, the cast Helena is really Helena Bonham cool. Carter, Kate Blanchett, Rihanna, uh, Sarah Paulson, Rihanna, um, Mindy Kaling. Yes. Um, who, what's the other one called? The, I, not, not the least well known out of the main gang. Well, Aquafina or yeah, yeah, Aquafina. Uh, is that is that really a name? So her real name, I've got it, got it here. Her real name is um, Nora Lum. But she rebranded to Aquafina when she was 16. Um, Mate, I tell you what, like the concept of someone rebranding like that. <laughs> yeah, I know. 16 I, would, I would love to rebrand my name, but I don't know if that's a thing I'd ever think of. I don't yeah, know. I, I rebranded as Leonidas when I was 16. Didn't you? Didn't you have a, you didn't do a classic rebrand well. No, no, no. no. You don't have like a forgotten name. Well, no. You, you, don't, I, you, I have you, new... don't, you don't just go by one name now rather than a name and a surname. Mm, I mean, I I wish I could just be like Pax, which is peace in Latin, but <laughs> but I'm, I I don't know if I've got the ego to do that really. No, 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 not sure. No, I'm not. I'm not. I tell you what, I'm not. I'm not on board with actors and actresses that go by one name. Yeah, and I know that we're like we're talking about an actress that's doing that in the same film as Rihanna, who is going by one name. But I think. There's Rihanna's a big, now a brand. Aquafina she's a, is she's not. a brand that she's built up over years. She's a she's an artist. She's a singer. She's not a 
person mm-hmm. or a celebrity acting for a career. Yeah. And I just don't understand why. It's like the same with Zendaya, right? Yeah. I think she's really cool. I really liked her in The Greatest Showman. I really liked her in Spider-Man Homecoming. But what's the story with her just having one, going by one name? I don't know. I, I, in, I completely agree with you. But is this the new way that actors are turning? Because in the industry, to get one of your guild cards, you have to, you have to have a brand name behind you. So one of my friends who does acting, she's had to change her last name. So is it a way okay. to stand out that you what, have to, to be change more your... distinctive? Yeah, that's not the case with Aquafina, but in terms of actresses as you were coming up, is that the case? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so I was just going to say before before we leave Aquafina, um, she I don't know her. I don't really understand. I don't really understand her. I quite liked her in the film. You you less I, so. Yeah, I, um, I thought she was alright. I didn't. She definitely wasn't the best out of all. Yeah. Like, see all the characters in this film. The point I was trying to make is the cast is brilliant and the cast really, really gel. Like I thought that they all had a hell of a lot of chemistry considering the writing was pretty weak and the characters were very underdeveloped. Yeah, I like, agree. They're all women on a mission to have one big heist so that they can go off and achieve their dreams. And those dreams are like wafer thin. Like for Kate, for Kate Blanchett, she wants to ride ca- her, into the sunset. Yeah, her, her character development in this film is she's a she owns a nightclub. She's a reserved, intelligent nightclub owner who's definitely got more potential, but isn't is squandering it being a nightclub host that fills up vodka bottles with water to maximize the profits. And then her whole like obviously this is an oceans film. Like spoiler alert, they they successfully complete the heist at the end of the film. No, and <gasps> spoilers. Well, we're only nine minutes in, mate. We've ruined it. <laughs> we've fucking ruined it for everyone. Um, no, but like at the end, there's like a little montage, isn't there, where it goes through what each of them do with their wealth, and it's like, I'm sorry, the fucking worst one is Aquafina who buys a penthouse apartment in New York and then just drives around on a Segway, YouTubing on her phone. Yeah, doing um, handstand, doing oh, handstands on skateboards. Like, not sure. Um, but like Kate Blanchett's wasn't much better. Her whole character development, her whole arc through the film was be Sandra Bullock's best friend without any real context for what they've been through in previous years before. Um, repeatedly get frustrated at Sandra Bullock for making business personal, which is like the narrative of any Oceans film ever. Um, like wear a, a, a very impressive variety of leather slacks mm. and pine for the days where you have enough money to drive a motorbike down Route 66 during the sunset, which last time I checked, if you're a nightclub owner anyway, you can probably afford without doing a million dollar jewel heist. Yeah, exactly. Um, if, like, if you're, That's if, a really if, nice motorbike. Like, <laughs> it's a 30, like, yeah, 30 like, million dollar you know what I mean? motorbike. Like the, character, the character arc, it doesn't really give, for a lot of them, it doesn't really give any motivation as to why they're doing it. Mm. They're all pretty like with the exceptions of like Helena Bonham Carter's character who's a fashion designer who kind of gets roped into doing the heist with them because she's kind of a failing artist yeah um and Rihanna's character who kind of you know she does some dodgy things with like computer hacking but she isn't like mega rich they are all pretty well off clever characters that are running their own games behind the scenes anyway why do they need to do this no, exactly. Well, Especially if your your end game is you want to do this heist so that then you can go off and ride off into the sunset. 
Well, the, the thing I the thing you I would do that th- anyway, Kate Blanchett. I know, and you still look fucking awesome doing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Building on that point, her haircut's cool. Um, it's build- really cool. It's really cool. Building on that point, um, I was thinking in terms of sequels. If they're going to do, I mean, this is probably skipping ahead. Well, I suppose that they've left Oceans Nine and Oceans Ten open. Yeah, exactly. Probably already like patented as fucking new films. Exactly, but the difference I think between the Oceans Eight film and then the o- Oceans Eleven, Twelve, and Thirteen is. Um, Danny recruits professional criminals already, whereas they're all professional criminals. There's there's not a lot of them who are just sort of like um, civilians who've been roped in. Whereas Ocean's Eight, half of them are very specific to the exact job they are doing. Yeah. Like they don't have a lot of cross- crossover. Like Mindy Kalig is a diamond specialist, and they are stealing diamonds. Um, they they're going to the Met Fashion Board, so therefore they need a fashion designer. Oh, this is what I didn't like though. Like. <sighs> The heist is maybe it's like the heist is so meticulously planned by Sandra Bullock's character that like there aren't all the way through this film there aren't really any twists any turns or any moments where you feel like they're genuinely not going to succeed. I agree, and that is something that was like quite you know laid on quite thick in the previous films, even if they got worse as they went on. Oh, in Ocean's Eleven, um, you think it, you think and, the and heist here, is going to fail, yeah. yeah, and and here it's so meticulously planned that you you never worry about that. But like there are. There are two problems with the way the narrative moves in this film. One, the issues that come up and arise through the planning and the actual pull-off of the heist are glossed over so quickly or dealt with so fast that sometimes they don't even explain how they actually resolve things. Yeah. And two, when the story needs to go a certain way, there's almost like sheer luck that cannot have been built into Debbie Ocean's plan that get them to where they need to be critically in their plan to successfully pull it off. Exactly. So one of the biggest points that really annoyed me and my mum when we went and watched this film, even if, generally speaking, I think me and you can probably agree, it's light, it's frothy, it's a fun film. The, char- like, the characters are, like, the, the actors are doing their very, very well. Yeah, they very, gel, very they're really interesting, yep. even if they're working with a weak, weak script and not a lot of development. They've got but punchy lines, but there's a weak have, plot, I'd Yeah, say. weak plot, but, like, good, punchy, good, good, yeah, punchy yeah, good writing, yeah. good chemistry. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to think of an example. All right, yeah, the bit that, the bit that pissed me and mum off the most was they need someone who's going to be on the inside of the Met Gala the most ex- they, then, which they keep reiterating is one of the most exclusive events in the world. Um, Sarah Paulson's character, just fucking with seemingly no experience in the fashion magazine world, just gets a high up job at Vogue and then just gets in to plan the whole event. See, I was kind of thinking about that point that I I completely agree with you, but all it needed was a script writer because you've got Rihanna as a hacker. All you needed was Rihanna to do some hacking to like to uh, just a little scene where Rihanna's just hacking the CV, hacking the achievements, hacking the photo profile pictures. Well, not even that, just kind of hacking a pass to be like a AAA pass to be someone important. Exactly. At the Met no, Gala. exactly. That's all they fucking just a bit to of do. explanation. Yeah, just a bit of explanation. For like if Rihanna can helpful. turn the lights on and off in Sandra Bullock's house, she can probably print off a pass <laughs> capable of getting them all into the event. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah but just little things like that. Like I just thought there were some really clever, interesting bits. And then there are other bits that were just glossed over. Yeah. Like, one of the only real twists that I thought of that was like, oh shit, like this might fuck it up, is the bit where you find out that the necklace, the really expensive necklace that they're planning to steal, that they put on Anne Hathaway's character's neck for the Met Gala, with the help of Helena Bonham Carter's character, who's the fashion designer, who they rope in to get 
in like get close to this um, celebrity model, um, you find what, what is it that happens? You find out that there's a magnet on the. So it's a magnet that has to that is, that is specially attached. I don't know exactly the physics behind it. It was done a very. There, there, are, there are no fucking. There are no physics. Will. It was yeah. It was exposition <laughs> Another writing. Thing that it's not explained. <laughs> exactly yeah. Um, and then they just get they just get in uh, Rihanna's sister. I think her name's Veronica. Yeah, because it's like it's like. Helena Bonham Carter is like, oh, fucking shit, and like films it on her phone so that the others can see. And to like the, the guy, the security guard in charge of the necklace, she's like, oh, can you show me that again? And like, again. And it's, it's like, come on, like you'd be Wouldn't thinking be she's caught? shady by now. Yeah, exactly. Um, and she's got her phone out filming him doing it, um, which she then pings to the rest of the group. And then you think like, oh, like they're going to have to come up with something fucking cool now. Like this is going to be an interesting bit where they like, completely restructure the plan but no all that happens is rihanna skypes her younger sister who's on her way home on the subway how does she even have signal and fucking just goes oh yeah it's this this and this that's they how you solve stop it off. before they get to the met-, met gala they stop off to just visit the rihanna sister who sorts the problem with them and then the plan is fine which the i plan almost, is good which, which i almost felt like that bit like I, this sounds this is gonna sound really brutal but like there is zero purpose for the moment where they all jump out of the van and meet Rihanna's sister or the character of like Rihanna's, uh, what's she called? Nine ball or something ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Like the I, most stereotypical hacker name in the world. Yeah, exactly. Um, she, I liked her mouse. That was the, that was the thing. Did you notice that? Nice, oh yeah. Her mouse like was, a nice, pool was a nice yeah. pool ball. Um, um, no, but they, they hop out and they meet the sister and all that happens really is like the sister like hands them something that she probably could have fucking posted them. <laughs> like, exactly. They, they hug. Um, Rihanna's like you're the best sis and then they leave and it almost plays out on screen like maybe that young girl isn't actually an actress and this was actually behind the scenes like a make a wish foundation thing in real life where it no, was like yeah. no it <laughs> could be do you know what I mean where it's like win a chance not, not even it make would... a wish because that's obviously for you know kids that are you know they're really struggling they've got life threatening illnesses just like, just like, like a competition like, like, yeah, go, and, it was go like and meet a, this cast like, of Ocean's 8 yeah and be yeah. in the film yeah exactly <laughs> like, no exactly and it just makes for a really shit point yeah um, I have very similar issues with it as well I think what you were saying about continuity and things that don't tie up at all uh, in, the Ocean, in the original Ocean's 11 film I always remembered that throughout the whole film they kept on doing this thing where they do a shot and then they pan to slot to slightly in the right and then they'd quickly cut to a new scene yeah. and all of those things in the twist of the Ocean's Eleven film where um, you think Danny's captured but actually it's all part of the plan still roped in um, and they, they they steal the money through the like the catering um, catering company um, that is all set up by really clever editing shots of like panning to a thing panning to a vehicle panning mm. to um, a piece yeah. of security code etc in this all you get is Kate Blanchett in a store she hangs up on the phone conversation she looks to a yellow submarine she takes the yellow submarine and then that's not mentioned until the end of the film where there is a twist including that yellow submarine and I was like that is that I can't uh, that, why 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 can you just layer it throughout the film there's, there's another really stupid bit that's just come to my mind that I like like it just wasn't funny was and to be fair there are some really funny bits in this film but it's the bit where they've roped Helena Bonham Carter who's the fashion designer into meeting with Daphne Kluger and Hathaway's character to try and persuade her to let her be the one that dresses her for the Met Ball right? I know exactly what um, you're saying <laughs> and side note on Helena Bonham Carter 
She's looking nice and healthy for once. She doesn't look like corpse bride like she does in pretty no, much yeah. everything else you see her in. Quick, and, quick, quick, and quick she, query. Sorry. Go on, go on. Um, why why does she have an Irish accent? Well, it's part of the character, isn't it? But to be honest. But then Kate Blanchett didn't have an Irish accent. She had a normal Australian accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I was literally about to say, I thought for whatever reason she had an Irish accent. It was a good Irish accent. I thought accent, that she yeah. did it terrifically. No, it was she really was impressive. Probably the most convincing character out of all other than Sandra Bullock. She was probably the most likable and convincing character. I know that woman in fashion. I've yeah. seen that woman at fashion shows who's just a bit of a... She reminded me of Betsy Johnson, who's a very weird okay. fashion designer. Yeah, But I also think, I, I also think if we're talking about the characters again, I thought um, it was like, I don't think she did anything particularly great, but it was nice to see Sarah Paulson in something that wasn't American Horror Story. Or an American um, Crime Story. Yeah. Um, and I also thought that at first, I thought with all of her like, reggae Rastafarian clothing I thought that they'd really kind of they'd really gone off key with Rihanna's character um, and at first I thought it was really cringy but then over time I actually thought that she was she was really funny she held up really well with like women who are major league actresses yeah. um, and she's only had a couple of acting credits so far one of them being Valerian the um, French sort of Star Wars-esque film, which I, I watched a couple of months ago and I thought was terrific. Was she really bad? Or was she good in that? Yeah, she was, she was actually probably the best character in it. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. she was miles better than Dane DeHaan and Cara Delevingne. All I've um, seen in that, all I've seen Rihanna acting is Battleship and that's why. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Michael I, Bay's I, Battleship. I, yeah. like, that's your own fucking fault for watching Battleship, mate. Yeah, like, why did I watch Battleship? If you're going to watch a film like that, just watch Pacific Rim or watch like the original Jaws. Or, or, Watch the Power Rangers film, mate. Oh, because you still haven't watched it. Interesting link, which will, which will make you. I, I hope will make you like Aquafina better. Mm-hmm. Aquafina has a song out um, her, on her original album. No, sorry, album called. Oh, the, so she's a singer. She's a she's a singerish. Yeah. Well, there goes our whole argument of me complaining that actresses are stupid. <laughs> well, to have she's, one name, she's but well, Rihanna's she's an these... art, like an artist. So no, she's but she's, qualifies. She's she's a. She's not just a singer. She's like you. She's one of these like people who's like YouTube famous. Kind Glory of thing. back. Yeah. Glory back. <laughs> but she. But her first song was a um, a spoof of the song the 2012 hit My Dick to I can't believe I'm saying this something to My Vag, which is you know. I don't know. Fun. I don't. I don't know what you just said. Um, there's a that? song in 2012 apparently called My Dick. I've never listened to it's it. It's called My Dick. It's called My Dick. Right. Okay. And then it's then and then and she, then she remade it. And at, called like, it My Vag. Yep. Great. And then, yep, really, just, I know, inspired. Quality, in yeah, creativity inspired. But flowing. what I do like is that her album is called The Yellow Ranger, which is quite politically incorrect because it's like essentially suggesting that she looks like the Asian character who's the Yellow Ranger in um, oh, right, Mighty yeah. Morphin Power Rangers. I quite yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. But the, as soon as I saw, as soon as I saw it on a Wikipedia page, it's like just the, the list down. It's like, see, my badge. I was like, what? What? What's that? No, I'm not sure. Not sure about her at well, all. Interesting side note. Yeah, you um, know. Going, going back to the Helena Bonham Carter thing, before we kind of start talking about characters, like the one scene that I was talking about that yes, I think, of course. like, thought it was really funny, but for me really backfired. Were, well, not like really backfired, but just wasn't as good as it kind of thought it was, is this moment where Helena Bonham Carter's character meets Anne Hathaway for lunch. And you know, and it's been established that Helena Bonham Carter is not a criminal and she's really, really fucking nervous about getting involved in this. Yep. And Sandra Bullock is like, I don't really know if she smiles 
more than two or three times in the whole film. I think she actually, they make a point of it and she like smiles as she's walking down the steps after they've completed the heist. And then smiles at the end of the, the and last And smiles at the seen, end of the yeah. film. But like, she's like uber serious the whole way through, right? And then there's just just completely out of character moment where like Sandra Bullock's been planning this heist for five years and nothing can go wrong. And she's really anal about it. And she knows how nervous Helen Bottom Carter is about being involved. And then they like rock up outside the restaurant where the two of them are having lunch and like fuck around at the window and like blow bubbles and shit like that to distract her and put her off. To the point where Anne Hathaway ends up like looking around, but like can only see a trail of bubbles, and thankfully can't see Sandra Bullock and Kate Blanchett. I don't Blanchett. understand why they why why wouldn't they just let her talk to her? Well, it, well, is it, it the idea that like, she's going to give it away? For but, her eyes? But, but but this is the point I'm trying to make is they were so specific and so like this plan is like down to the last t. It can't go wrong. It can't diverge from the plan or whatever the whole way through, and that one bit is so out of character. It's like. It's just, it's just, it just doesn't fit, does it? No, it, I agree. It, it's really, really weird. Um, um, do you want to talk about the James Corden conundrum? Yeah, go on. It, well, I mean, well, it's James Corden in the end of the film turns up for the last half an hour of, as a yeah, well, film. Like the, the final third, like the final, like tw- no, it's not a third, like the final twenty minutes of the film is like after the heist has been completed, and they go down this weird avenue of like suddenly introducing James Corden as an investigator who's like banged up her like Debbie Ocean's dad and her brother before for heists yeah so he's got a vendetta but you know with his like chubby cheesy grin there's no like weight to it at all um yeah this is the interesting thing I I have a theory so apparently when this film was being made it was started filming in like August 2016 and Damien Lewis, who from Homeland fame, um, was uh, the, seen on the ginger guy. The ginger guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, was seen on set um, as well as Dakota Fanning. Dakota Fanning is the, is was it actually in the film? She played Daphne Kugler's rival, um, and, she, and was, she, was she in the film? Yeah, she was Daphne Kugler's ri- rival. I don't know if I saw that. She was the person that Rose Rose was like looking at the jewelry, and then Daphne got jealous, and then asked Rose. Oh uh, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Um, and then. He he's his scenes were not published in the film, although he did shoot scenes for the film. Damien Lewis. Yes, and then Corden joined the cast in 2017, like a year later. Dare I say it? I, like I'm not really up to date with my Me Too history, but was was Damien Lewis accused of anything? Is that why? I don't think he was. No, no. So it's, it's just a, like they they changed him out. I think so. Yeah, uh, and they changed ha- him out for James Corden. Why? Well, that's my theory. I don't know if that's the case, okay. but I think. Damien Lewis is more of an intimidating person. And I kind of think if it was Damien Lewis in the role, he would be threaded throughout the narrative. That's why yeah. you got invited well, you back see, that's early. The, that's the problem that I have with this element of the film. Exactly. It's like if they were going to have an investigator, again, this film is zero consequences, zero stakes the whole way through. Give me stakes. And, and nothing is more <laughs> nothing is more um, indicative of that than the fact that the investigator only turns up in the last 15 minutes, has a series of scenes where he kind of comically interviews people associated with the main characters yeah. and then meets... sets himself up originally as a very very like like steadfast I'm a good going to do my job yeah. etc and then, and then bumbles his way through the organisation yeah. yeah within like five or ten minutes he then just sits down with Debbie Ocean in a restaurant she bribes him with a bit of the necklace a bit of the payoff and then like he just fucking stops 
going after her. Yeah. And then the he's, film, she's essentially admitting her guilt to him. Yeah. Without like without like saying I explicitly did like, this. It, and he's like, oh no, okay. I've, I've, and she he also apparently has put in prison Danny before and also and the, the yeah, father. It's like, it's like isn't it like he got Danny in prison twice and the father once? Yeah, something like that. So, but it, it doesn't. It, the character doesn't give you like none of it. Gives you none of that weight. Mm. Like it, it just doesn't feel like a fit to what the character description is at all. Yeah, and and you know what? Like, I really like James Corden. I really, really like him. I think Gavin and Stacey, way, way back, um, is probably one of the comedies of our generation. Yeah, it is. Um, uh, but he's not, he's not a phenomenal actor. But he was an actor before he was an American talk show host. I saw him very. I saw. I saw. I didn't. I saw the movie version of this, but I saw him in One Man, Two Governors, which I've also performed in. Oh, yeah, and he yeah. was incredible. Right. Like, just lit up the stage, was such a great actor for that. Um, and I also saw Into the Woods, which he was in, and he was really quite good in that, but nothing, but nothing, um, nothing on his One Man, Two Governors performance. Yeah. And he did that. He won the Tony for that. He was in New York. So he is a good actor. He does one thing very specifically. See, he but, bumbles, and that's his thing. Yeah, and and this is the point I was trying to make, is that a lot of the criticism levied at him by American audiences has been that he's a talk show host trying to act, and it's like a really shit fit, and like it, it, like he shouldn't, he, like he should stick to what he knows. And I I like I do I don't like that criticism because it disregards. It has no knowledge. It, like the people saying that have no knowledge of kind of the, the British acting credits he's got before this and his on-stage acting credits. Yeah, exactly. He was, he was an actor before he was an American Late Late Show host. Um, and I and think, also, I think, that's, I think to... that's kind of been lost in translation. But I think that's partly to do with the fact that Ocean's Eight isn't really targeting a intelligent. Like I'm not saying it's like intelligent people won't watch this film. But it, it it it's a it's a light popcorn flick that pretty much anyone in the family can go and watch. It's not easy to not, understand the you plot. Do not have all. to pay attention. And see, that's the thing that I think it 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 didn't have for me. It's like Ocean's Eleven. I remember it doing that whole thing where it kind of played back and it showed you how it all went down and how and and even like I I would I would compare this franchise to the TV. Did you remember the BBC TV show Hustle? I do remember the BBC TV which show, which is Hustle. like. It's phenomenal. And the way it always worked at the end of their episodes was they'd do like a two or three minute thing where it went back and it explained how they did it. And you, you were sat there like, I had no fucking idea that was going on. I don't know if you have a memory of and this, but me and you in first year watched an episode of Hustle. Did we? How cute is that? Oh, mate. I think we did. I'm was it pretty the art certain. gallery one? Because I think that's one of my favourite episodes of TV ever. It might be. I think I don't know if you were re-watching it or something, but yeah, okay, I was one of those things where was. I just came into your room and was like, hi, Jake. <laughs> Classic. Excellent. Yeah, anyway, sorry, continue. Uh, no, but like, the original film had that for me. This didn't. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. I and agree with that. especially like the whole James Corden, the whole James Corden thing at the end, it just, it didn't click. And after they'd kind of succeeded with the heist, it, tacking all of that on at the end without weaving it through the first 80 minutes of the film, it felt completely pointless. Yeah. It felt like a complete afterthought and it just dragged and then the only there wasn't really anything else that happened in it other than obviously the douchebag ex-boyfriend got done for it in the end. And I well, I think obviously, but mum didn't see it coming. They stole a lot more than just the necklace. Yeah, I think they stole I th- a load of other jewels from Well, the I, I would have I would have thought if they if if they would have shown all those diamonds which are worth 
and much more money than the actual diamond. Of course, they're going to steal those diamonds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, just briefly before we move on to Critics' Choice, without which which still doesn't have a jingle, it will do. Um, it, we, I just, <laughs> don't say it, man. Don't, don't say, say it. Don't say it. Don't we're expecting it, it now. <laughs> um, no, uh, just uh, just a quick note on the end of the film. It's this beautiful scene, and it's really, really well done, the ending of the film, um, where Debbie walks over, to, up, is back at the mortuary. She sits down, slow scene, no music, pours herself a gin and tonic, um, or a martini, um, and just drinks it's, it. It's a martini because it's Dan. It was Danny's like favorite drink. Oh, I didn't. I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, That's yeah, lovely. Yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah, no, um, you're right. You're right. Um, and then, and yeah, she, and, yeah, she goes there with all of her little utensils, doesn't she? And she makes it right in front of the like the. That she makes it right in front of it. It's like a, it's like a wall mortuary rather than like a gravestone. Yeah. And she goes, "You would have loved this." I thought that was so beautiful and so lovely. I was yeah, like, that. "I've not was... had a genuine moment like that in an Ocean's film since they all stand in front of the MGM Grand in the first one." And and I think Chopin plays, and it, uh, as the waterfall goes up, and each oh, one of yeah, them yeah, moves yeah. singularly. And I was yeah. like, "What that? What a lovely way to end the film." I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I think I think it was incredibly touching. I think that coming full circle, one of the things that this film lacked. Um, which kind of influenced its it probably its its narrative flow, its yep. pacing, but also its cinematography was not having Steven Soderbergh direct it. Gary Ross directed it with Steven Soderbergh's kind of permission and executive production yeah, credit. Yeah, um, and he did I, the original Hunger Games. Did not know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I do think it lacked because of that. I don't know if that was because it was probably because at the time Steven Soderbergh would have been working on Logan Lucky, and that got insane reviews it's a very very popular critically applauded film and i feel like he is the kind of director soderbergh where he would have been like right i i want to be involved in an oceans project but i'm not gonna i can only throw myself creatively wholeheartedly into one project exactly and I'm, yeah. I'm choosing this um which i think you know i haven't seen logan lucky yet but if it was a toss-up between having a phenomenal new film from soderbergh completely original script or a a well told or a better told retreading of similar territory, and let's face it, the Ocean's films did start to tank towards Ocean's Thirteen. Yeah, they, um, yeah Ocean's Twelve then, is a real problem. As then, a film. like, yeah. if if those are the options, I'm even though I haven't watched Logan Lucky yet, I'm kind of glad that's what he decided to do in 2016, 2017. No, I think so. I think um, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So, critic critic quote awards. What did you have for best description? Short and snappy. Um, it's a guy. Oh, it's a woman. Sorry, Josephine Livingston. Um, from the New Republic says, "All this, although this movie is fun, the subtraction of rivalry makes for a movie that is that is inevitably less riveting." Which I think is true. Did you say subtraction. Subtraction. <laughs> I read so, subtraction. Subtra- sorry, subtraction of rivalry. What? I'll say again. Although this movie is fun, the subtraction of rivalry makes for a movie that is inevitably less riveting. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah re- there aren't, there isn't an antagonist. No, there, there is not an antagonist. I, I, I think even like by the end of the film, Anne Hathaway's character is in on the con as well. Yeah, which kind of is like a a funny little revelation, but again, doesn't really have any weight behind it. Yeah, I would have preferred it if Anne Hathaway's model character became like a real mental nutcase evil villain towards the end yeah, of it. Yeah, exactly. And like, or she'd gone girled them and like, and actually, and actually, actually knew like, what was going yeah, on. Knew exactly like, was going but on. She knew what was going on, but I would have preferred it if instead of going to them and being like, I want to be involved. She was just a complete cow and took it all for herself. Yep. I agree. Um, There's no, there was no Andy Garcia in the, no. ocean, the old editions films. Um, um, you, so my, best my, my best description was from time magazine, Stephanie Zacharick, she said, Ocean's 8 should be great fun, 
Instead, it's kind of a non-committal semi-fun, which was fine for me when I watched it last Thursday because I was pretty tired. I was off the train from work. I wanted something that wasn't going to require a lot of thought. So I think I was biased towards really enjoying it and thinking it was a great movie at the time because it was so easy to get through. Um, Looking back on it and retreading it in my head, that's not the mark of a good movie. It was non-committal. You didn't really have to invest anything in it. and There wasn't really any weight. But, you know, it moved at a pace that was enjoyable. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree with that. Do you want me to do the most savage? Or yeah, go on, mate. What was the most, most savage? savage. This, is, this is pretty savage, I think. All right, it's, all right, go on, hit me uh, with it's, it. it's quick, but it's savage. It's from Colin Covert from the Minneapolis Star Tribune. Largely devoid of wit, thrills, and any reason for being, it is dumb fun minus the fun. Oh that, my god! Yeah, I know. It's just layering the insults against it. This guy must have taken a real thing against the film. I don't uh, know why. I, the thing is, I don't understand what people. Fun minus. I could kind of get that though because it's like, like not a lot really happens that is quite impressive. Yeah, and because there aren't really any quen- any consequences, it's not that fun. No, it isn't it? No, I would agree with that. Yeah, but I do think it's. Going back to our first ever episode, it's got spunk, Jake. It does. It has. No, I, see, I disagree. I do you not think I, it's got no, spunk? I think. It, I think the cast have got a lot of chemistry, but there is a lot of spunk that wasn't there. Yeah. Disclaimer here: It's interesting in our Rince's opinion as well in this film is that me and Jake, Jake saw it a week ago. I saw it today. So yeah, we. Have, so yeah, I. Right. Need, I. You're think still I kind to... of coming off the back of it being fun. And yeah. I, yeah. I, and I was I've gonna... been thinking about it and watching bits of Ocean's exactly. Eleven in the interim. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> for my most savage, it's actually. Um, I so I really like Little White Lies, which is the reviewing body. It's a guy called David Jenkins, and I found like a sentence of his review, and then I followed it, and there's a whole paragraph of him just being really, really, really savage. So I read it out. It says, um, "The peril levels are perhaps equivalent to crossing a quiet suburban street at four a.m. in the morning." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've already gone. That's great. <laughs> um, it's less like a heist. More like a group of well-dressed people carrying out their daily thrill-neutral affairs. Oh my gosh. Oh no, it's not done yet. It's not Ah. done yet. This is unfortunate, as it feels like Ross hasn't got the guts to give his characters flaws, lest it appear as if he is somehow tainting this clutch of strong, empowered women. In this respect, it not only comes across as a story that's completely lacking in drama, but one that is lacking human characters, in their place are immaculately sculpted mannequins. Oh my gosh. <laughs> who glide through the motions and just stumble into success. This guy has got <gasps> this guy has got away with words. That is incredible. If, if there's ever time for a like a film reviewer to mic drop. Yeah, exactly. That is exactly that fucking sentence. I you should wa- have put like the microphone emoji at the end of it. I want that man to narrate my life. You no, don't. I don't. No, I don't. No, that'll be very dark be and depressing. So no, but, but that is incredible. <laughs> that is incredible English. Yeah. I just want to re- study um, it anyway. Right, so what do you have for funniest? Um, Other than, uh, you know, most savage is always incredibly hilarious. Yeah, very true. Um, funniest is guy from Scott Marks from the San Diego Reed, Reader. I'm going to have. He's, a, he's from Scott Marks. He's from Scott Marks. Uh, <laughs> and he his name is San Diego Reader. What a, what a beautiful sounding place. Yeah, I know. Last name Reader, first name San Diego. Um, anyway. <laughs> the. <laughs> The be- it says, uh, the best thing that can be said about Egil Burrell's cinematography, he was a cinematographer, is it's easier on the eyes than a dim screensaver. No. I know. Oh my God. I know. That's not it's, fair, it's is It's also it? savage, but also like I just I just like that image, that, that he's comparing 
actual cinematography to a dim screen. I do think, though, that the film, it's got a lot of colour in it, but it's not very vibrant. No. I'll tell you what is vibrant. The guy who does the soundtrack, um, his name is Daniel Peterson. Guess what film he did? What? Cuban Fury. Oh, He's really? the guy that writes the soundtrack for Cuban Fury, oh, which made me... You mean like the original score in this film rather than like the... Yeah, the original score, yeah, yeah not because the Because like that is, that is something. They, they did use some really sick tracks in They did. Film. They did some really nice mixes. Right, they, had and, yeah. like, they had like Biggie at one point. They had... I think Alt-J was in it at one point, but it all like... Was Nicky in it with Diamonds I or something? I think so. But, it, but it's not... It like... It's not like the way they mix well-known popular tracks into Love Island, where where, <laughs> where, where like a semi-serious conversation will be happening in the villa. Um, <laughs> I thought that was a terrible accent, um, but it will be happening. That was that was actually an attempt. What was the that was an attempt at a Newcastle accent. <laughs> that was my like why I <laughs> I can't do it, mate. Um, oh, no, but it's it's not like when like. Every other freckle or breeze box is being played, and it's ramping up to the more intense part of the song. As this guy's like, you know what? Like, I'm not really a fan of you anymore. Yeah, like it's or it's, as a conventional scene it, scene change. It's thing. not. Yeah. It's not tonally confused like Love Island is. It's it, like it actually uses songs in a really good way, and they're really entertaining, and it kind of gets you moving a bit in the cinema. Did you ever think that you'd compare Ocean's Eight to Love Island to this podcast? Uh, yeah. I mean, when we were talking about it downstairs earlier, I thought, yeah, this is probably going to come <laughs> up, isn't it? Yeah. Um, oh, dear. I, I, I was wondering if they were going to kind of like fourth wall it and play a Rihanna song at one point. I don't know if they did or not. I'm pretty certain. Unless the Diamond song, which I'm thinking of, is not Nikki, and it's actually And it's actually, actually Rihanna. Rihanna. Oh, I don't know. But I'm not sure. Um, um, okay, so my yeah, your funniest was... <laughs> Um, a guy called Matt Brunson from a website called Creative Loafing. Loafing is in like a loaf of bread. Oh, um, so not like loafing around, loaf of no. bread. No, well, I don't know. Is, is that how it's spelled as well? Loafing around? L O A F I N G. Three years of English degree? No idea. Good. Uh, um, sorry, continue. Um, yeah. So he said to paraphrase Julie Andrews as Mary Poppins, Debbie's plan is practically perfect in every way. Which helps explain why this movie is anything but. Oh, <laughs> no, I, but do, that's, that's... I do get it. I do get it. It's like they make such a thing of it being so meticulously organised that nothing could possibly go wrong. And you know what? Nothing really goes wrong. To quote Julie Andrews, I love that we you can just whip out quote Julie Andrews. I know, man. Yeah. All right. What would you What would you uh, rate this out of ten? Um, thoughts about it. I think it's a six point five. Okay. I think I. This is this may change in my head, and I might in a, in, a, in for next podcast. I might quickly at the beginning of next podcast not do a re thing because I think the six point five is what I'm sticking to. No, 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 taxis, backsies. <laughs> no fair, no fair. Okay, six point five. Six point five. I commit. I commit six point five. I. We're not doing announcements next no, week. <laughs> watch it today. Really enjoyed the film. There were some significant problems in it. But it was it was likable and enjoyable. Yeah, it was just easy to watch. Yeah, wasn't it? and I and I rated Batman Ninja a six point five. And as much as I like Batman Ninja, I there was more significant problems in Batman some of Batman Ninja than there was this. I think. I all right. So you I'm, are going to I'm going to give it a six out of ten. Yep. Oh, that's fine. Um, okay. I, I think I think I gave I think I also gave Batman Ninja a six out of ten. I think Batman Ninja is a better film than this. Um, this is like, where we realise like, our rating fuck, thing. Like, yeah, trying to trying to sit here and compare Batman Ninja and Ocean's Eight is just it's not, a new it's podcast. Not, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not even a new episode. It's like it, that's like one of those deep dive, like five yeah. hour long, like proper long form analysis. Exactly, shows. a video essay um, on YouTube. Yeah, 
Yeah, so we're not going to do that. I think it's a 6 out of 10. I thought it was really good. Um, considering the World Cup's on at the moment and England are fucking killing it, considering we're in the middle of a heat wave, um, <sighs> I, don't, I don't recommend going to see it at the cinema. I, I think I, I think give it give it a while. This is a film that you can wait to watch. Mm-hmm. It like it will be fucking snapped up by Netflix in a year, and then you can just sit down and it's yep. a cracking. Get home from work, put your legs up, open a bottle of wine, have some popcorn, and just mong out film. Yeah, I think I that's like, true. Th- this is not this is not a cinema experience. This isn't like Hereditary, where like it's I, almost like, like a not, TV movie yeah, in a way. Yeah, it is. It is. And like this isn't a film that I would rush out to see, um, but in comparison, I'd say like Hereditary last week, for example. Like if you if you haven't seen it yet, don't wait for it to come out on on your TV. Go and go and see it on because the big that screen. film has got so many issues, and so even though that there was some, we had some problems with it. It has so much interesting content in it. Yeah, whereas this and, is, and there's so much that can be done with a big sound system. Yeah. Yes. Very true. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, so 6 and 6.5. Yeah. Um, what are we reviewing next week? Um, so are the options Sicario 2 or Tag? Was that what right, I was thinking? Right, so next week, we yeah, we have, like, Sicario 2 is out, and that's, you know, like, the next of Josh Brolin's summer of great films. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I, I haven't seen the first one, so if we're going to do that, we need to, maybe we should do a double episode and just do, like, a Sicario episode. Yeah. Um, I think Sicario Toy 2 already spoils Sicario though because Emily Blunt's not in it. Yeah, so I'm Emily... assuming she's dead. Yeah, I assume that she's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I hate it when that happens. No, I know. Um, yeah, I hate it when Emily Blunt dies. <laughs> she does we... die in a quiet place and it's one of the best films ever. <laughs> Comparisons. No, she better not die in Mary Poppins. Imagine that. That'd be a good If twist, Mary Poppins dies, that would be shocking. <laughs> My childhood would just go oh, at that yeah. point. Um, yeah, but no, Tag is out as well, which is the American comedy about the family friends who play like a 20-year game of Tag. Which is based on a true which story. Is, yeah, which is based on a true story. And I feel like if me and you fancied doing like a proper like nerdy deep dive into the history behind that original group of mates, then it could probably make for quite a fun podcast. Yeah. I'm also... Could, very, I'm also... Also, sorry. We've been talking... No, it's all right. We've been talking about doing a drunk cast for a while now. And we are five weeks in. Yeah. So if you... Like I like to be honest, if we're going to review Tag, that could be quite a fun drunk cast. Yeah, we could watch it and then get pissed and talk about it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think that I think that's it. Thank you. So uh, as always, please like us, share us. We're on Facebook as Fifty Two Week Film Project. Yes, yeah, that's new. We're on we're on Facebook. Yeah, we've now got yeah event page. We we did a mass adding spree of all of our mates. So if you um have been kind and you've taken the time to actually like it and give it a listen. You know who you are. Yeah. Thank you so much. I've had some lovely messages this week that's really made yeah, me feel it, very it, happy. It's actually yeah. really nice to know that some of the people closest to us are genuinely interested and exactly. genuinely listening. And, and as always, and we're you on, know, if you know how yeah. to get in touch with us, we'd, we'd really love the feedback. Um, other podcasters as well. We've been kind of reaching out and chatting to you on Instagram. You've been chatting to us, which is fantastic. Um, slowly but surely building a following we now need to just start getting some reviews in so we can start going up the iTunes so please give us a please give us a review and hopefully hopefully we'll be on Spotify this time next week this is our fifth episode I know that that the rule stands it's really hard like you can't I can't find anywhere like proper like strict guidelines for it like not even on the Spotify website but it's something something along the lines of 
to prove you're a legit podcast and you're serious about doing it, which, you know, I think we are now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We've done five um, episodes. Talking about doing an episode next week drunk. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're really you, responsible with our platform. Yeah, you, you yeah. Have to, you, this is so boring. You have to have five to be on Spotify. So yeah. hopefully this time next week we'll be on Spotify, which I'd like to try and make our main place for people to listen. Yeah. Because it's the fastest growing podcast space. Um, yeah, like and subscribe. Keep an eye out on Instagram for more announcements. If you've got any suggestions of films you want us to cover, um, do let us know on any of those channels. Yeah, that'd be lovely. And yeah. uh, have a lovely rest of your week. Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs>